0: Uh, interchangeably, Um, remember that whenever you see one or two loops of dilated, that the sentinel loops are your key, right? So what I was just telling um, her, where is she? Oh, there you are. Okay, so remember what I was telling her is that whenever you look at an abdominal radiograph, always go back to the beginnings in that, in a normal radiograph, when am I supposed to See air? Where am I not supposed to see air? So you walk through the abnormal, or it could be a normal one, with that in mind, with your normal in your mind. Because that's the only way that you will be able to really pick out the abnormal, especially when it's very subtle. Okay? So that's the key. You always have to say, am I going to see air in the in the Stomach. Yes, I can see air in the stomach. Can I see, am I? can I have fluid in the stomach? Yes, I can have fluid in the stomach. Do I find air in the small bowel? Not really, very, very small, if at all, right? And they're not, and where would it be located in a normal? It should be centrally located, and it doesn't even, sometimes you can't even tell if it's there or not because of the, the resolution of the uh, x-ray, right? Do I find air in the large bottle? I can find some air in the large bowel all the way down through the rectum, right? So that's why when you're looking at something, you always look at that. The other thing too is, remember, ascending and descending, they stay there. So when it gets kind of kooky and you don't know what you're looking for and you're trying to determine, is this large bowel or not? Try focusing on the ascending and descending. Because if they become dilated with air, they really don't twist on a mesentery like the hepatic fletcher and the transverse does. So sometimes that could also help. So it's just all these little things that you need to keep keep in your mind. You always keep in mind the normal, the the little things. Because when it comes to abdomen, all we talk about is air and fluid. There's nothing else we really talk about, right? So so always good, always good to, like I said, have that normal next to you. So with that being said, pneumoperitoneum, we talked about, we did this, when we talked about our abdominal aortic aneurysm, we said the only difference between that and when we talked about a thoracic um, aortic aneurysm was where it's located, the same concept, called still CT, angiogram. Um, then we started, uh, we talked about a the cholestis, right of a quadrant, we talked about how a patient would present, right? Um, we talked about what, what you can find in the QCODIS status. You do not find everything. These are the things that you can find. Did you guys do your ultrasound class here? Yeah. How yeah. was it? It was Awesome. Okay, so we talked about the, the integrity, which is your nuclear medicine. Once you have an equivocal um, uh, sonogram, right, you want to make sure the stones are there, are they blocking, the, the duct is dilated, is it emptying, right? So we talked about all of those. Um, and then we talked about liver dysfunction, we talked about cirrhosis, we talked about CT, right? We said that when it comes to the organs such as liver and um, spleen and pancreas, it's always those multi-phase, right? And renal, the multi-phase CT. The only time in renal we do not use CT is when we're looking at renal calculi, and I, I will get down to that later on. Okay, so we looked at cirrhosis. Remember we said that usually you cannot see the visceral line of the liver, right? And the reason here is not because we have air in the peritoneal cavity, it's because the liver mass itself right, has shrunk because the, the, because the parenchyma cells are um, no longer functions, they're macros, right? Um, and then acute appendicitis is where we stop that thing. So when it comes to acute appendicitis, depending on the patient demographic is when things could change around, textbook-wise, textbook right? So we're talking textbook-wise. Yes? Um, maybe we're dealing with hepatitis, maybe we're dealing, because depending on which labs are out of order, right? And you also have the patient history. So when you have a patient's labs that correlates a patient who drinks, you know, their drinking history, basically alcoholism, that's when, then you start along the lines. So remember, radiology is a piece of the puzzle. So, and, and the thing is, with, with regards to size, remember not just ultrasound they measure, right? They measure this size, they will also measure the um, portal, right? The portal system, the, the liver has two. Uh, so it, it's just a combination of everything. But does that answer your question? And then they will probably do, and if they suspect something like cirrhosis and CT, they'll go to CT for sure so that they can get a 3D, a more idea, a larger picture of what's going on and what's going around next to it in the, in the abdominal um, cavity. So, um, any other questions before uh, related to any of those? No? Okay, so acute appendicitis, right? Like we said, depending textbook-wise um, and depending on the age of the patient, the patient's demographics. So your adolescent and your adults, they will do abdominal and pelvic CT with contrast, okay? If you have a ch- children, they will try the smaller, you know, younger kids they will stick with they'll try and stick with sonography because remember where where you're talking about the pelvic area, right? That's where the appendix is. So you the appendix is, so you want to try and reduce radiation. And once again if you're pregnant female, right, either ultrasonography or if it is that they, they do an ultrasound and it's equivocal and they really need more information, then they could do MRI. Okay, soft tissue. Remember, it's really good it's soft tissue. No, no, not um, no exposure. So, what do we have here? This is an image actually from your textbook, right? When it comes to the appendix, remember, it's a sac, a, a blind-ended tube, right? And it's actually not supposed to. First of all, you're not even supposed to be able to see it, right? Um, if you do see it, you're not supposed to have. Those, you know, those white lines, and you see how enlarged it is? That's inflammation. Another way of um, knowing if you do have an inflammation of the appendix, and a lot of times inflammation of some of the, not just the appendix, is what they call there the, what type of fat? In this case, it's called the peri-appendiceal fat. So what happens is that the, because of the inflammation, the fat becomes, goes from being uh, black, radiolucent, to a little bit more radiopane. So now it's not a black subcutaneous fat. Now it, it's called, and that's where this large arrow um, is. So you see how, if you, look, if you look here next to the kidney, you see all of this is black, right? So that's actually, that's actually your uh, subcutaneous fat in the abdominal area. Here, all of this should have been black. All the way to the edge of the appendix if this was a normal appendix. However, because the appendix is inflamed, right, what happens now is that you are able to what, see with what the fat. The fat now becomes what they call the peri fat. It becomes increased in density. And that's why it's called stranding. So that's a sign, just like when we talked about the the sentinel loop being a sign of inflammation or infection relative to where you see them. It's the same sort of concept. But now we're talking about fat stranding as a sign of inflammation. Okay? So another good, you see, so that's a good way of you guys to always correlate stuff because the concepts are basically the same in the sense that When we talk about the sentinel loop, it tells us where you know that there's inflammation going on somewhere, right? Within within the um, the abdominal cavity. When it comes to fat stranding, then we know that there's inflammation going on as well. In this case, it's the appendix. Okay. So remember when yes? Can you see this on an X-ray? Not no. It's very hard to to see any of this on an X-ray. Even the appendix, the only time you can see the appendix is if you have what we call a fecal lip, which is like, and that's what actually causes appendicitis. A little small, a little small stone, a little small bowel, a piece of, of fecal matter gets trapped in in the appendix, and what happens is what you have is bacteria grow, and because it's a blind ended tube, right, it gets moist, and it just creates the environment for the bacteria to grow, and then you have the inflammation of the appendix. If there is if there is a fecal lip that's large enough to be picked up by the resolution of an x ray that's what you may see. You won't see the appendix sac, but you'll see something there that may clue you in and say, okay, you know what, let's do a CT. So what you're actually seeing is the actual fecal ph- lip, if it's visible. Yes? And the initial modality. Yes, the order in which I, yes, yes, the order that I told you depends on the patient's demographics. Okay. Any questions on that? Yes. I see that there's contrast around there the Yes. Dials. How come there's no contrast around the of appendix? Because what happens is that the appendix, when the appendix is inflamed, the contrast cannot get
1: okay. into okay.
0: there. Same concept as what? What was the concept with this CT? talked about before not being able to move fast. With yes, with blood, right? Like a CTA when you have a pulmonary embolism, when you have obstruction, same concept, but that's a good that's a good point. Okay? So it can't get that point. It's the same concept when we talk about a cupboard cystitis and the stone being trapped in the cystic duct, the, the radio suitable will never get into the gallbladder, because by usually should be able to get into the gallbladder, right through the, the through the cystic duct to be stored. But if you have something blocking it, it doesn't, and that's what causes the patient all their signs and symptoms. And that's why the that's why we use that radiograph of the cystic as a tracer path of bile. Yes. Just to confirm, so the area was- They still consider the colonoscopy or the proctoscopy, depending on the level, as being needed um, for biopsy, and that's why it's still considered the gold standard for screening. Okay. So the key is that you can only diagnose, you can't, you can't treat. Um, so why would you use actual CT and MR imaging? I'm not talking about the colonography. I'm talking about the image is when you want to stage any type of colorectal um, carcinoma. Okay, so one is to one is literally tracing through the bowel, right? Just like you would at a colonoscopy. The other one is the CT and MR for staging is when you when you actually now go in and do your um, you do it to determine. Where it is, how large it is, for treatment and for therapy. Yes. What determines the stage? Is it how much the wall is? It? Yes. It determines the thickness and the and the diameter and which, which walls it has gone to, which is basically the thickness. Okay. So that's the colon cancer. Pancrea, Any questions? Yes. So if we see the apple part sign, is it more specifically um, colon cancer? Yes. It will be colon, it's colon cancer and it's using a colonosc- colonoscopy, the traditional. Tell me. what is what There's you Okay, so here we have two images. Yes? So, initial and initial modality choice is CT. Well, the CT with contrast, yes. That's multi-phase. Yes. CT with contrast and the multi CT can be used interchangeably, because one, whenever you, you're looking at organs, right, and you, you, you inject contrast, the only difference is, the type when, like I said, when do you take a, an actual, when do they actually take the images? time, it's time. Yes? Sorry? Sonography? Yes, they can also use ultrasound. But for you to get the most comprehensive, comprehensible initial assessment, it will be, they'll go to CT. But, but you do, you use ultrasound for pancreatitis as well. But you talk about comprehensive, you want to see the most that you can see. Because remember, the pancreas is, Lays, it lies across, right? So, but if a patient comes with epigastric pain, they may start off with an ultrasound, something that's like you can pinpoint, and that's the thing with ultrasound, right? It's very pin. You can pinpoint certain areas. That's why we say right upper quadrant ultrasound, liver CT, right? So the difference is size of the organ. Any other questions? Okay, so there are two images there. The, the top image is showing you what is the pancreas. Yay! Okay, so the pancreas, <laughs> and I shouldn't put it normal, but uh, but you know I don't give you CT images. What I want you to appreciate is the enlarged pancreas. And what do you think these two arrows are telling us? Because this is the outline of the pancreas. What are those two arrows? What what is this and what is that? Yep. Yeah. Fat stranding. Remember, remember um, inflammation. So this is your equivalent of your sentinel loop. These are the equivalent of your sentinel loops. So you see how there's the white in between? That's your fat stranding. It should not, it shouldn't look like that. And then where the arrow is, it's it's fat that's your fat stranding. Um, the, the so the arrow heads and the long white arrow is fluid collection. I just want, you, I mean, I'm not gonna give you this and ask you, what is the arrows, right? I just want you to appreciate the fact that inflammation, right, inflammation of organs like the appendix and the pancreas has the equivalent of fat stranding. So if, anytime I say, if, you, if that word fat stranding comes up, Descriptively, then you know we're talking about an inflammatory process, okay? Um, And what do you think these white things are? This is still the pancreas. Calcifications. Chronic pancreatitis. So in chronic pancreatitis, calcifications are very common, right? In the acute phase is when you will have the fat stranding, the the inflamed pancreas, so it's gonna be a dentus, right? So that's the difference between the two. So chronic is at the bottom, and acute is at the top. Okay, so the difference between the image at the top and the image at the bottom is, the image at the top is acute pancreatitis. The image at the bottom, all the white that you see are calcifications, and that's in the case of chronic pancreatitis. Presents, can present with these um, calcifications in the pancreas. Okay, so the next slide talks about a pancreatic adenoma. What do you think is the is the initial? What am I saying is the initial um, imaging modality? No, sonography. Why is, it, why is it sonography? Because in this case, Right? In this case, the patient's presentation is going to be different. You're not gonna you're not gonna have the patient who comes in with the um, with the, the history of alcoholism, so forth. is usually patients who suffer from an acute attack of pancreatitis. Sometimes there's that but there's always that uh, not always, most of the time there's that in the history. The other thing is that you wanna look you're looking at a mass and you don't know the size of the mass. So, you know, so in this case, initially they would use ultrasound, right? For all purposes, initial will of abdominal pain for suspected obstructive jaundice. Why Why for obstructive jaundice? Because remember, with ultrasound, you can look at the diameter of the ducts. So it can give you a better idea of, is it wide, wide enough, narrow enough to cause an obstruction? So just think of the pancreatic adenocarcinoma like we think we talked about with the gold stones, right? Where you're show the sonography, and then if you want to stage, right? Ct of the abdomen with contrast is your preferred, or you can do MRI. Okay, so the prefer between CT and MRI is your CT, the staging. So that's pancreatic. So what do we have here? This is actually the, the um, adenoma, the pancreatic adenoma, and this is just necrotic tissue in the middle. That's why it's black with air. So you notice it goes black, right? Totally necrotic, and then this is a darker gray as the tissue around it is not as necrotic as in the center. And then this is just the actual mass itself. Wait, where's my middle? And then these two are just your, the mesenteric. Those are just veins and arteries. The vein and the arteries just showing you that they haven't been affected by, that. so the blood supply hasn't been affected. And then here, this this is your pancreas. So it looks sort of ratty and eaten away, right? You see there's no smooth, it's not a smooth um, organ like it usually looks. This is an insuloma. So this is actually, um, Going to going to cause um, a lot of a lot of what insulin does what affects the glucose levels right I mean so this this insuloma itself creates even more changes even more level, higher levels of glucose than would um, any other mass that you would find so that's pancreatic adenocarcinoma initial sonography right and then CT of the abdomen is is um, with contrast, so it's preferred over your MR when you want to stage the actual adenoma. So, this is just memorization. because so I'm going to give you an image. Any questions? All oh my little sleepyheads. Okay, yes. This is the first. Is that insulinoma? Yes. Or wouldn't that just you know, increase the blood sugar levels, right? It depends on the, because the, what, what, what would an insulinoma do? It could do that, and then it will have what? And it can have a negative feedback, but it all depends on the size of the insuloma. Right? Because even automatically negative feedbacks will shut down depending on how much how much is, how the size of the insuloma. Yes? Because it's, it's going to create that whole negative feedback and the whole shut down. you remember endocrinology is not my thing? But that definitely, did, it, it, it affects that whole uh, negative feedback. Because yeah. it's tricking the body into thinking something that it's not. Okay? Uh, any questions? Okay, so blunt abdominal injury or polytrauma. What, what do you think, what, what is the modality choice? Guess what, it all depends, like we always say, on the hemodynamic stability of your patient, right? So if the patient's hemodynamically unstable, what do you think we're going to use as your initial? X-ray. Huh? X-ray. X-ray, right? We're going to do portable X-ray, right? So here we go. Unstable patients, radiographs of the chest, abdomen, and the pelvis depending on, because your blood, blood trauma could be anywhere within that abdominal area. You don't know where it could be bleeding to. Okay, so if you have a patient with a suspected intraperitoneal hemorrhage or pericardial tamponade, that's where your FAST comes in, right? Your focus assessment with sonography for trauma. Because now you're looking for fluid, you sus- suspect that there is a hemorrhage. And then with your stable patients, right, so once you stabilize your patient, so you're coming with blood um, abdominal injury or trauma, the patient has been stabilized, they give them IV fluids, right? And then what do you want to do? Your modality choice is going to be CT. You want to do it with contrast or without? Without, because it's trauma, right? Because if there's something bleeding that, you know, that you, because now this becomes your first modality, right? You want to make sure that you do it without contrast. So, that's that's pretty straightforward. Gu We will just talk about renal stones, pyelonephritis, renal cell carcinoma, and the adrenal masses from a point of symptomatic. So a patient has hematuria. How do you how do you know if a patient has hematuria? Huh? they tell you they have hematuria. It depends, right? You could have. It has to be gross hematuria. You to know. Urine if analysis. not, what do you order? A your analysis, right? I mean, but in a case of in a case of gross, you, you know, you, that's the person you do when you look at urine. You do the gross analysis. You look for color, turbidity, you have all that stuff. You do that. That gross analysis. Visually, you look for for the turbidity, the color, the volume, right? What's the other thing? Turbidity, color, volume. opacity, clarity, clarity, right? So you want to check clarity. Um, so, that they, so the thing is when it comes to in we used to do the IVP, some places still do IVPs, but with CT, right? They, 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 they use the CT IVP because you're getting more of a three-dimensional um, ability to process, right? So now you're you're doing, you're using the coronal view because that's a view that correlates really to help you with your collecting, see the collecting system. But remember, you can reformat. So even though, you know, like it says, there is imaging methods a choice, screening for pelvic cal- calcical system and the ureters, right? So for the pelvic area of the ureters, um, thin slice, right? Um, in longitudinal planes because you want to sort of see it the same way as you do see the IVP. Um, But the thing is, um, it's a little bit more, the resolution is better, right? And you can actually get more information and you have the ability to see things 3D. So for hematuria, it's a CT urogram. Can some places, do some places still do um, your uh, IVPs, right? Another radiography, yeah, they do. Okay? They may do that first and then go to the CT urogram. says when we talk about nodules in the lung, what do we use? High resolution CT, right? Without contrast. So, same story. Yes? Um, the you said that a CT urogram? A CT, it's a CT urogram, which is the, considered the IVP. Oh, okay. Yeah. Oh. It's not, yes, they call, it as, they call it the equivalent, that's why they put CT IVP, because it's the equivalent of the radiographic IVP that used to be and still may be the, the modality that they use for hematuria to check kidneys, the pelvic, the ureters into the blood. Okay, is that the check for cancer? Does that check for cancer? No, not. It's more flow. Okay. <laughs> oh, so, it's so like hydro, gas. Yes. Uh, so so okay. it's more of the flow. So you injected IV, but that's a good question. So it's injected IV, and then they check the flow through the kidneys, through the pelvis, and they, they can actually see the radio pump. oh no, my god. We do it in nuclear medicine. That's why I said super. You can actually see the contrast. And in the pediatric population, they do cystograms, which are a little bit different, because within the pediatric population, when you have reflux, right? When you want you have, a, 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 I don't remember the age group. Well, it could be any any age group, but usually in the, I don't want to use an exact year, but what happens is that when, when, when the pediatric patients start developing a lot of UTIs, then you want to start looking to see if there's reflux. Because what happens is that the sphincter may not be, uh, can constrict as it should. So you get that reflux and you do nuclear medicine, cystograms. they do it, um, they can do it under radiology, but not for the pediatric population because of the pelvic exposure. So if this is to us, Yeah, what you're doing is that you're looking, you're tracing the, the, um, the urine to see if it's held up anywhere. You're tracing it to see there's stones. Because remember, if you have a stone, anybody ever have a kidney stone? Nails and kidney stones, that's like your worst nightmare. Right? <laughs> that, they, they say it's like, are we equivalent to giving birth? Who of you around birth? And i ain't easy. But for them, it's like their equivalent of giving birth. So what happens is the reason why you do have hematuria is because you have the stone moving through, and you have the epithelial lining, and you start the bleeding. So that's why they check they check flow to see if, do I have a stone that's blocking it, or and that's why maybe you know it's causing the irritation of the lining, and that's wow. why we with the yeah. red really blood cells in here. Yes. So that So patients, there's no, sometimes you may not be gross, gross blood, meaning that the urine is no longer the straw colored urine, the, meaning that it's not red, right, because of blood. You can have traces of blood in there, but these patients will usually complain of what? pain, uh, pain flank pain, right? The pain usually starts in the, in the lower back area, especially in the nails, and then it would what? Wrap around to the, the pelvic. So just because just because it says hematuria doesn't mean that you you're looking at uh, blood you you know like red urine because you could just have you know a few a few RBCs or you can't see it to the naked it's not visible to the naked eye. So sorry, no, you don't have to be sorry. Um, Okay, so like. Is the modality choice, but they will do an ultrasound too. It depends on the patient's presentation. Okay. So if a patient comes in and they have this flank pain, they will do they'll do ultrasound because they can see it, right? Yeah. But, it, but if but the patient is to the point where it is clinically it's a it's a definitely stone, a passing yeah. so then they will they will do the CT. So the key with us here is always to look at what is the method or the modality of choice, because in real life you can they will do both, they can do both. Right, and that's why I can, that's why it tends to get a little. Um, it, it, the lines are blurred, and the CT that they will do, is that, is that they, will do they will do the um, if there's grossy if there's hematuria, that's the 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 CT IVP, right? Because remember, um, a patient can have stones, but they don't necessarily have hematuria. So you know what I'm saying. So if one may not come, doesn't always come with the other. Okay? Thank you. Oh, no problem. Oh, did I cross, did I? I went backwards, right? Modality of choice, okay. All stones are, okay. So you see the advantage of the nephrolithiasis, high resolution CT, um, non-contrast, obviously because of the stones, most of them are radiopaque on CT because they're calcified. They're, I would like to say calcified because it means calcium. They're radiopaque. So just as you see, so you see here, right? Here, these are your kidneys. The little, arrows show you, two stones. They look more or less in the pelvis. This is a stone in the bladder, right? Because this is the bladder. How do you know it's the bladder? Because of the level that you're at. So when you see the vertebral body, and you see these two little thingies, two, we have 12, most people have two. And that's, and that's another thing. Make sure you know if the patients ever had, ever had a kidney transplant, because when they transplant the kidneys usually more, anterior They don't transplant posteriorly um and then if you look lower down the reason why you know it's the bladder is because of this what's this is the head of the no or... darling oh well bone right Is the head of the femur okay. so you know you're lower down so when you see when you see bone right that's your really little and then look at how cool that other image is, which is straight from your text. So there's this stone at a level of where you belong. Level of the bladder. Isn't that cool or what? Well, she be excited about this stuff. What OK. CT of the abdomen and pelvic with contrast, memorization. When do we use this? Right? In a patient with acute pylonephritis if they are complicated. If they're not a complicated patient, meaning that it's not the patient from a patient point of view, a patient presentation, they will do for acute Um, they will do ultrasound. Okay. But if it's a complicated patient, where well, the patient requires more, more of a, a more information, right? It will be um, CT of the abdomen and. You will never, if you're looking at anything, if you look, it's hardly ever that a CT of the abdomen is ordered only as a CT of the abdomen. It's usually abdomen and pelvis. And usually oral and IV contrasts are given except in the emergency situation, obviously, because you can't give a patient oral contrast. Okay? Renal abscess, complicated renal cysts, a bladder diverticulum, and they would use the C T urography. Right? It's still C T, right? But now they're using urography and bladder cancer. Why? Because now you're looking at other staff, right? Now you're focused on the bladder. So that's the difference there. Who um who just had diverticulitis and had have surgery? Oh Francis. Had do, they had to do to do a resection. They took out some of this, yeah, they took out some of this colon. Are you guys oh yeah? Who watched the Bachelorette last night? I did. I did. That is so entertaining. I don't know how these people go back to where they (laughs) used to live. I thought, give me a break. It's a little, you know. I don't know my husband. My husband watches it with me. Yeah, I'm telling you. It should be enough, and then he's like, oh, she's going to choose him, or he's going to choose her. (laughs) Oh, because I was talking about hope. Anyway, so don't <laughs> you know, to like, talk about television. I know mean, one has nothing to do with the other, but anyway. So, like we said, CT of the abdomen and pelvis with contrast, acute pylon nephritis, kidney complicated patient, and then all these other things going on CT urography, C, uh, CT urography, bladder diverticulum, or bladder cancer. Okay? Um, when it comes to other renal pathology. So what about renal cell carcinoma? Multiphase CT, right? Of the abdomen and, pa- and pelvis. Why? Because now we're really concerned about the, the we, we're not concerned about flow, we're not concerned about obstruction, we're concerned about the structure, right? Looking at the actual structure of the kidney. That's why it's a multi a multi-phase CT scan. Same thing with the adrenal mass either CT or MRI, usually, like we said, CT is usually first, right? Um, MRI is more expensive, you may not get, you know, depending on the patient's insurance. Um, adrenal carcinoma, CT with or without contrast of the abdomen, and if the CT is inconclusive, then they'll go to the MRI. Okay, we're not time to, we started at five, right? Okay. What about ultrasonography when it relates to the GU, right? Because now we're talking about GU imaging. Simple cyst, testicular torsion, which we're going to talk a little bit about um, the last few slides with the pediatric or right after this, right? Where we want to use Doppler. Because when you think of testicular torsion, you want to check blood flow, right? So that's why it's important to do, to do it with Doppler. Um, BPH, benign prostatic. Pleasure, right? So they will do an ultrasound of the pelvis. And then, anytime when you have acute renal injury, kidneys and bladder, ultrasonography can play a role there. Portable, you don't have to move the patient from one to the other, right? Cheap, okay? Cheaper, I should say. What about MRI when it comes to the GU system? Because now in the genitourinary system, we talked about. We already talked about the GI, right? So patients who you on anything that is CT before that required contrast, you can't do it. You, you can't do it because of the hypersensitivity to the contrast, you'll use MRI. Um, small renal masses, right, offers an advantage in the evaluation of these small renal masses because resolution is better, right? They're better able to distinguish soft tissue densities from each other. And then also, if you're looking, they use MRA. Don't need contrast, right? Remember, the thing with MRA is if you don't need contrast, when you want to look at, when you're evaluating stenosis, but at the mid and tops of renal artery. So that's where MRI comes into play. Um, pediatrics, you all want to take a break now and come back? Or you want to do pediatrics? Go on, take your break, because all It's called the target appearance, but it all depends. You can only see that target appearance if it's in the transverse plane, right? So it depends on the angle of the transducer. So it is actually a mass that has all these concentric areas, and that should, and that would make sense because if you look at a if you're looking at the old fashioned telescope, if you're moving one into the other, when you're looking at it this way. You're going to have the large outer ones going in and then the smaller circle in. So that's why they say it looks like concentric, um, concentric circles. Now, in this, this is an image of, you can tell that it is a, a pediatric patient, right? You can tell from, first of all, the girth of the abdomen, second of all, look at the ribs, how thin. Um, this this is a patient who has and it and it actually shows it which is usually not very common in x-ray, meaning that, you know, usually x-rays, the resolution isn't that great, but remember we're talking about a a tiny little baby, or a a child that doesn't have as much body fat, and so forth. So essentially what you have here is where this, this is where one is telescoping into the other. So this is the ileum, and then this is the distal bowel moving in. It does not give you as good of a um, representation as the ultrasound does. But how you would look at it is that if you took this patient, you saw it like this on the ultras- on the radiograph, and then if you turn, if you turn this whole area here towards you, you would see the concentric rings. So what is the key with interception, telescoping? Right? <laughs> Telescoping of the terminal ileum into the distal bowel and ultrasound is the modality of choice. There may be other, I will look for other images that may show it even better. But um, just know the target appearance on an ultrasound the transverse. Yes? Can you, can you point to the, to the target appearance here? The target appearance here? It's in the ultrasound. So here's it. Here's the center, um, you know like target, you know like the little reds center of target and the outer. So the, the dark area is, is literally the little red center of your tar- of target's um, and or whatever you want to call it. Okay? Oh, no problem. Okay, metal diverticulum. Metal diverticulum is an embryonic structure that was Obstruction when when it becomes inflamed, right? You can um, you get obstruction, and the obstruction can only be seen usually on ultrasound or CT if it is inflamed. Now on CT, because we said it is a duct, right? And when the duct becomes inflamed, now what you have is a blind end. It's almost like the um, Like the appendix, where now it becomes blank ended because it's filled with all the inflammation. Um, What would be a patient's presentation? A 14 month old presents with intermittent abdominal pain, and this is the key here the current jelly stool. Okay, so current jelly stool means that there's bleeding, right, that's going on, and it's lower bleed, it's a lower bleed. Um, so what they suspect is a bleeding metal diverticulum. So the diverticulum can become inflamed, but when it decides to bleed is when you will have the patient presenting with the abdominal pain um, and the, the uh, black, the current jelly stool, right? Um, what, do we, what do we order on these patients? would uh, scintigraphy with tape. So basically, uh, metal diverticulum is gastric mucosa, and our radiopharmaceutical is picked up by gastric mucosa. So basically, you just inject them, and you just take images to see if you do see the bleeding site. So here we have this little outpocketing on your CT. That's the metal diverticulum. Remember, diverticulum is an outpocketing, right? We can have diverticulum in the walls of the colon, right? Yes. I just told you about a oh, He had diverticulitis and had to have surgery to have some of his colon removed. Okay, and then this is it, just representing on a, a different view. And this is your this is your hepatobiliary. This is the bleeding diverticulum in your scintigraphy um, cell. So all of this, this comes directly from your textbook. So if you guys read upon it, it'll give you you a little more insight into it. Testicular torsion. So a patient is a male patient, a six-year-old male presents with acute pain in the right scrotum, that's your clinical presentation. And you suspect that testicular torsion and your modality of choice is your ultrasound with Doppler. When, When you have the testes twisting, you can strangulate, right? The blood flow can be strangulated. That's why it's a medical emergency. Um, so if we look at the actual, the one on the right is the one that's normal, okay? This is the testicle, the right testicle has the blood flow and that's why you see the color, it's a Doppler. The one on the left is the one that has no, reduced no blood flow and that's the one that's in portion. We used to do nuclear medicine scans on patients with testicular torsion. And they were actually, um, I used to do them in adult males. When I was a student, they never let me, they used to run me out of the room because it was a male patient, whatever. We're talking like many rooms ago. But and I never used to like to do them on call anyway because you get in this easy, but more. Because it was really interesting what you had to do, go out not get it. So. I always have to do that on call, but never, never, never drink regularly. OK, so any questions on testicular torsion, ultrasound, right? Yes? Yes, I'm sorry. Can go back to sorry. You said that the right has the blood flow. Decreased blood flow? The, the right has the blood flow. The left oh, is the one that's told, yes. Okay. Remember the right color, color flow. The blood flow, the velocity, the direction of the oh, flow is usually colored, right? Same the same concept. It's the, it's the one on the left that we don't have blood flow. Any questions before we move on up now? So we went down, now we're gonna just go do a couple of these, because I know you're falling see. I was hoping the sun must be a scalpel, but I'm not. I see all little sleepy as a danger. Everybody's like this. Some of you are like this, some of you start up like this, and then by then you're this. Like, I'm like, okay, let's just do these last three, because I'm so over the mind you cannot imagine. Okay. so. Disorders. So we're going to look at a, little bit of this, a few esophageal disorders. For esophageal disorders, we do variant swallow, right? So remember, that's a fluoroscopy study, yes? We did that in the beginning, beginning. Um, in the case of, um, the first one we're going to talk about is a Zenker diverticulum. And it actually arises in what we call the hypopharynx and it's just proximal to the uh, UES. What's the UES? UES. Of the esophageal sphincter. So that's the location, and basically what happens is, because it's a diverticulum and outpocketing, food and, and liquids get stuck in there, and as a result, um, these patients are usually complain of, uh, what's dysphagia? Pain on swallowing, and they also have halitosis, Right? And they, they cough, uh, they can cough regurgitated food because it's, it's like a pocket. Yes? Why do they move form? It's a weakening in the wall. It's like the an aneurysm of the, even considering the aneurysms of the, um, whatchamacallit, GI tract. It's a weakening. So, and it's when they become, you can have diverticula, diverticula but when they become, when all this, like in the colon, the still gets trapped there and the bacteria grow, that's when you get diverticulitis. Patients who have people who have diverticulitis, who have, have diverticulitis shouldn't eat popcorn and nuts because those things get stuck and then they have the episode of diverticulitis. Um, and it puts a lot more in the elderly population. Okay, so these symptoms, the symptoms, dysphagia, halitosis, regurgitation, and food. We said barium esophagram, which is your barium swallow, right? Um, And what happens is you get this, what they call the outpouching, right? So when you look at the junction between, usually, if you can picture this without the diverticular, the barium swallow, the barium should go all the way through, right? But now you have this additional outpocketing, so you can understand why food gets stuck there and why they will have halitosis, right? Because it sort of ferments. oh, oh. is that <laughs> okay. That's all right. Right? Remember when we talked about being the cam- even though it's a peristaltic action, it looks like it's is the same concept as a bowel obstruction. Dilatation above where the stricture is. So that's your that's your obstruction vision. Yes. So for treatment wouldn't be the area this constricted. Well, you know, when it comes to treatment, that's a good sign. If I I'd be lying to you if I told you what we do. But you would. You would want to obviously do something about this stricture. It, they won't use the, no that's not it, intersusception is sometimes where they use the barium to actually, they actually do a barium animal and the barium animal is what actually telescopes it out, removes the, te- it pushes it back out. No, no, in the, in, in the suction. But um, that's a good, that's a good question. I think you've seen it. Oh you have? They probably do, I don't know how they do it though, is the question. Do you know how they do it? Oh, so they scope it to that See, I learned another thing today. Now the only thing is um, I'm wondering if uh uh-huh. the operator is the same thing. Um mm-hmm. no, because okay. that one is more of an out pocketing. Okay. So that might be more of a repair, but that's a good question. I I I, of, um, I don't really want to talk abdomen when I see any the concepts. I'm becoming I'm, I'm like the abdomen is becoming like the chest, it's like enough already. Okay, so bird's beak, right? So the thing with that is, like we said, what happens is that you have the dilatation, then the structure. And that's why it's like a bird's beak. So the structure is the little beak part. You could think of the dilatation as the head of the little birdie. all right? Okay, um, so I had a few little, but well, you guys saw this because you guys have gone through it. So what is the, what is the patient, and I'm, you know I'm not going to give you this, right? I'm going to give you a clinical scenario. But this is just for you to, for visual effect. What does this patient have? Huh? Who said normal? Cheatable. Yes, it's normal. That's a normal patient. So you remember what I told you, when you look at a, when you look at a, 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 a ab, abdominal, um, radiograph, stop telling yourself and you see something like that, say, okay, can I see air? You can see a lot of air in the large bowel, right? And we can see air, so that's why. And the other thing too is that yes, you can kind of picture very. You can kind of picture the astra, but but the, the diameter is not fully dilated. And the other thing too is remember the um, the ascending and the descending, right? They remain fixed and they don't look that dilated. So this is a normal. Okay, that's a normal gas pattern. What about this one? Um, What do you think we're dealing with? So the first thing you look at is a airily, gastric bubble, normal, right? Okay, this is air in the, because of where it's at, the large bowel, normal. Is this normal air? Okay. Um, so where, where is that located? That's small bottle, and where is it specifically located on the stomach? That's the gastric. Is it a lot? Do you see a lot of loops? Is it a lot, a lot of loops? Loop to you? How many loops? Two or three. So what do you think? It's it? It is, right? small bowel areas, there. you probably need to what? What, what, what orbit's inflamed? The pancreas, epigastric, right? The other ones I showed you was more to the, more to the uh, left upper part, but remember, oh, where's the pancreas lie? All right? The pancreas lies on its side, all the way through to the epigastric area. So that's what you need to do. You need to say, this is central. Right, but it's not. Okay, so let's see my So this answer was a uh, localized, thing. yes, and it is small. It's a small bowel. Yeah. It's a sentinel loop, mm-hmm. and it's my yeah, this because of the location. because First of all, the size and also where it's located. It's very central and there's lots of lots of loops. Remember when we—remember with large bowel, right? It's very defined as where they are. And it's usually in the periphery. Usually. Okay? Do, do you recognize it? I, it's harder for me to—oh, you can see it better there. I'm trying to see it here, which sucks. You're not going to have it out Okay. But I think it's hard for me to see it here. But when I'm looking there, is this point? Do you yeah. yeah. Oh, why is it? Oh, sorry. That was- Small bowel mm-hmm. obstruction. So that would, be B. that would be B. So, what would I have said here in the history? Mm-hmm. A history of yes. pelvic surgery five years ago, four years ago, two years ago. Not two days ago, right? right? Oh, and then with this one, what is this showing us here? Is this a survival or a pride? Mm-hmm. Or oh, is it, or oh, is it, uh, uh, what is it, or oh, is it in the cubitus? A the cubitus. what is it showing us? The air fluid levels, right? The air fluid levels. Okay. Is there a transition? Huh? Is there a transition. With With small bowel, the transition is difficult to see in this one. I'll be lying to you if I told you, if you did a CT, be able to. Yes. You will be quicker, you will be quicker, you will be quicker, you will be quicker. I don't know if I spaced out, but you said it's all about instruction. Yes. Why? Why? Because of all of it. Generalize. You just need to, it's however you visualize that you can remember. That's why I wanted to take this slide out, but I realized this, you already have it, so just delete this slide, please. Right. Delete it or delete it from your memory, because that was a bad question. And we already knew what this one is, right? Generalizing. it. So what would be in that patient's history? <laughs> Surgery, but when? Recent, recent like when? Like I recently a, a week post, ago. Post stop, right? Post-out. Two to three days full stop. Really yeah. within days of surgery. Right? Yeah? So you see how we look different. So my suggestion is that when um when come oh, on, we're done with abdominal. Nothing personal abdominal as well. I feel like this has been stretching out forever. So so my suggestion would be when you're when you're studying for the exam. Have a, a picture of each one, just get different, each different one, large bowel, small bowel, uh, generalized alias, um, localized alias of the small bowel. All of the, oh, look up uh, uh, pancreatitis alias, um, pancreatitis alias sign, I mean, uh, sentinel loop pancreatitis, sentinel loop, um, ra- what do you call that thing? What do so you can kind of look through and see, okay, let me see the location. Is this more here and more there? So that way you can, um, the only way with abdomen is to really put them together, because when they are together, side by side, it, they, you can tell the difference. Okay, it's easier to, to find the difference. But when you're watching one and then you're reading and then you're looking at another one, four slides down, okay, they're all the same. So that would be my suggestion. We know normal, I'm starting to get some normal ones. And um, Ray was seeing the Radiology Masterclass for Abdulon. Yeah. had some really good questions, questions at the back. Some of the questions, you know, you, it's a little more in-depth than what we do because that's really for radiologists. But it's good to get a, yeah, but it's good to kind of see what they're asking and, and give you an idea of, okay, this is this or this is what that is, and then you, you, your eyes get accustomed to it, okay? So your exams next week, Thursday. Okay, I see you guys.